Recording in progress. You ready? Uh, Let's do it. Ready. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back into the Buster Show. It is my honor to introduce our very special guest, Dwight Howard. Dwight, how are you? I'm good. How are you doing? Fantastic, man. I, I appreciate you doing this. I wanted to start it off with a fun question, which I don't know the answer to. I've only seen your old videos with all of your pet snakes, but do you still have all of them? I do have my snakes. They are in Georgia right now, and I miss them so much. My favorite snake, his name is George. His colors are actually purple and gold, so it's kind of crazy to have a, a Laker colored snake. Wow. Uh, he is my biggest snake. He's about 20 feet right now, maybe about 130 pounds. So he's a pretty big snake. That's a very large snake. How long have you been collecting and, and keeping snakes? I started collecting snakes uh, actually when I started playing for the Lakers the second, the first time. So I've been having snakes since then. You know, it's my third time with the Lakers. Uh, so I would say since about 2011, 12. Wow. Now, did you start off with the intention of having a ton of pet snakes? Or is that just something that happened naturally? I did. I did. I wanted to yeah. have a lot of snakes because there's so many different types. There's so many like beautiful colored snakes around the world, exotic snakes. And I was like, man, once I got one, I was like, yo, this one is nice. And this one is nice. And, you know, it's just so many that are like very beautiful. Um, they're very, uh, very different creatures from what most people are, you know, used to. But I love them. You know, why do you think so many people are afraid of snakes as opposed to like turtles, which everybody loves? Like, what is the difference? I mean, you could pick another another animal. It's a little bit more dangerous. But why do you think people are so afraid of snakes as opposed to other animals that are just as dangerous? One movie, Anaconda. That's everybody, what it is. Everybody think that a snake is just going to take them and squeeze the life out of them and then eat them whole. Like, no, snakes do not do that. And we are too <laughs> a snake to really just turn around and, and take us and eat us. Like people always say that, or they think that every snake in the world is venomous because that's what we've been taught. But all the snakes that I have, they're constrictors. So they have no venom and they rarely bite, you know, if they bite at all, but anything with teeth can bite. So a dog can bite you, and I would rather get bitten by a snake than a dog any day. So I, I, had, a, I had pet snapping turtles growing up, and they'll bite you. And there is no... I had snapping turtles at my uh, lake. Really? And I also... They're dangerous. <laughs> they are. You can't get around them. They'll, they will bite the crap out of you, and they don't care. At <laughs> least snakes, they'll think about it before they bite you because they don't want to get caught up. But turtles don't care. They'll just bite you and then if you try to get close, they'll go into their little shell and there's really nothing you can do then. Now, I did hear you have been bitten multiple times, though. Is that fact or? or... Just, just, I would say twice, two times or three times. But it didn't hurt. It was kind of like a little pinch, kind of like when you get a needle poked inside of you like real quick. That's how it felt. And then it just, that was it. It wasn't like it stayed there for a week. But my dog has bitten me. My dog is a police trained dog, like one of those. Wow. 
and I had on a little sleeve and he bit through the sleeve. I felt that for about two weeks, just the pressure bite. So <laughs> it's totally different from a snake bite. That is crazy. Uh, one other thing that I know you love, I saw it in a video, you were talking about how you, you keep crystals. Yes. Uh, that you were like the real life Kevin Garnett from Uncut Gems. What, what powers do they give you or do you feel like you get from them before games? Well, the first thing I want people to know is that we are crystals. So we have, we have elements in our body. We have minerals in our body, just like some of these crystals do. And we vibrate, you know, on different levels, just like these crystals do. Um, now these crystals have properties that can, you know, erase negative energy, can bring forth positive energy and love, whatever you're looking for. But it all starts with you. It's wherever your mindset is. So I would like to first say that we are crystals ourselves as humans, you know, and sometimes we think that, you know, we actually need anything else when all the answers and everything is inside of us. With that being said, um, these crystals can enhance all of the abilities that you have inside of you. That's hence why Thanos from uh, Marvel Avengers, why he went on a search for the best crystals in the world so he can have all the power. So it's kind of like almost the same thing. <laughs> Do you have, uh, have you collected all of the infinity stones? I have collected all the infinity stones, but I will not slap the world away. <laughs> all right, just checking, just making sure. Um, is one crystal better than another? I saw you in that video with like a giant quartz crystal. Uh, yeah. Is do you prefer one one type of gem to another? Uh, well, it just depends on who you are. Um, I would say there's one crystal that I would recommend for a lot of people, but it's extremely rare and it's very very expensive now. It's called Moldavite. I don't know if you've heard of it. Everybody's been in search for this crystal called Moldavite. It enhances your spiritual, uh, your spiritual side. It also like all your emotions, emotions, and the people that are around you. This crystal will kind of help, like bring to light any issues that you have, and you know you could lose friends. You could wow you could go to a big stage in your life by having just this one little crystal. That sounds like the final infinity stone right there. Well, I'm, I'm glad you have one or you have a piece. I do have a piece. It's very small. It's about that big. It's kind of like the soul stone. Like, what are you willing to give up to get? So this is pretty intense. Did you, were you like bidding in an auction to win it or how did that go down? No, I actually ordered it from the place that it's from. It's from it. Slovakia. Um, there was a, um, what was it called? A meteorite that landed in Czechoslovakia a while ago. Yes, what they did was take this meteorite and they cut it up and they start selling it and using its properties um, to kind of benefit, you know, what goes on our body. So it's kind of crazy. Yeah, meteors, you'll find some stuff that, I mean, you don't really, you don't find too often here on earth. So it's pretty cool. Um, I wanted to ask you, I was watching this old video uh, I think it was on Chris Bosch's YouTube channel. And it was from you guys during, during Team USA. You guys stopped at a gas station and got yeah. food. Why was Team USA at a gas station eating food? Well, uh, we were traveling uh, in California 
And um, we were, I think we were headed to San Francisco, if I wasn't mistaken. Or as a place between that we were supposed to be going to practice. It was like a far drive. And everybody was really hungry. So we saw a gas station. And we wanted to go in the gas station to get some snacks. And then it so happened to be a Wendy's in there. Wow. So, Lucked out there. It's always good when that happens. So we got we got to Wendy's. And while we were there, everybody wanted to stop and get a burger. And it was so good. Like, it was like the first meal, the first real meal we had in like three weeks. So, like, everybody was just... Like, if you saw the video, I wasn't even talking. I was just trying to demolish the burger I had because I was so hungry. And then they had uh, LeBron had the camera, he's pointing at everybody. And I was just like, because I was hungry, I didn't want to say nothing. <laughs> That's pretty funny. I, I, I saw that back in the day, you used to eat like 10 or 12 candy bars a day. Back, oh, that was that was pretty intense. I ate more candy than that. But I guess they just had to embellish the whole fact that I had candy bars. But I don't know if I just ate candy bars. I had everything from honey buns to Starburst to Skittles. Um, did you just have like a Superman metabolism or how did you manage to stay on top while that was happening? Kind of like calories. It's kind of like burning calories. So, you know, uh, despite all the stuff I was eating, I was working out as hard as I was eating those snacks. So it kind of was like a balance. Right. So, so if people do want to eat, you know, a burger, go go on a treadmill for an hour, you know, just to kind of balance out eating that burger. So it was just kind of like a balance. My favorite meal before games back in the day was two double cheeseburgers, a large fry, a small fry, a large strawberry chocolate milkshake, and a Coke from McDonald's. And that was kind of like my go-to meal before the game. And it got me ready for the game. It got, that's what got you ready for the game, not the practice. <laughs> my now that, that is smart though, for anybody listening out there, if you, you know, burn off the equal calories to the thing you just consumed, I mean, in theory, you should be in the green. And if you're also getting the proper nutrition, I imagine, which I'm sure yes, you are I, as well. I didn't always eat bad, but it's just, I did have my snacks. I loved honey buns. Um, they were like one of my favorites, Baby Ruth's, uh, Tootsie Rolls. <laughs> <laughs> I had a whole pantry full of candy. And I had a, also had like a little nightstand by my bed and it was full of honey buns. And oh, I had that's dangerous. Candy. That is dangerous yeah. right there. <laughs> I don't really eat that like that no more. I kind of just eat fruit now. That's kind of like my vice. I eat a whole bunch of fruit. That, that sounds organic, more like the crystals than the, uh, I don't think we have any honey buns inside us unless we put them there. <laughs> no honey buns. <laughs> but I do miss them though. There's some times where I go to the gas station, I see a honey bun, I'm like, man, I wish I can just take this whole box home and heat it up. And, uh, <laughs> just drink some Coke and just relax and watch a movie, but I don't want to do that. That's funny. Do you think that the Atlanta Celtics were the greatest AAU team of all time? I would say we're top two, top three, yes, no doubt. Um, we had a team full of NBA players. Um, we were big, we were strong, we were athletic. 
I thought we were very entertaining. People love coming to our games. Uh, Josh Smith was like LeBron in high school when it came to dunking. He was doing right. he was doing all the dunks LeBron was doing, but with his left hand. Then you had me and Randolph playing the power forward and center, and we were just trying to dunk everything in the paint. And Randolph was kind of like a Tim Duncan type player. He wanted to shoot fadeaway jump shots. And uh, we had some good guards, Javaris Crinton, uh, Dwayne Day. Uh, man, we had a team full of some, some excellent players. It was crazy. All I can think about is like some normal kid out there was just like going through a day of high school and then had to go play you guys oh, at the end of the day. Uh, I feel I've bad for that people, kid. I've met people like that who said, yo, our team would lose so we wouldn't have to play you guys in a tournament. <laughs> they would lose on purpose. That's like, crazy. That's when you know you're good. We had a lot of fun. I actually miss those days, you know, traveling around the United States, going to the, the tournaments in Vegas, staying in those crazy hotels. And like, we were so silly. We played like the big hotel version of hide and go seek, where if you got caught, you got jumped. So. Whoa. Like imagine being in this big old hotel resort and you're playing hide and go seek. You start outside and the goal was to get from the outside all the way to the floor where the room was. And that was our hide and go seek. It was a lot of fun actually staying in a big hotel like that. That does sound like fun. Shoot, I, I do that today. Um, now you were the first player in NBA history out of high school to start in all 82 games. Oh, that's season. First in NBA history. Did you ever have any thought about going to college? Was that ever something? Never? Never, never wanted to go to college. Not ever, ever. Why, why was that? I just felt like it wasn't for me. You know, some people might like college and stuff like that. I did go on a college visit. I was like, no, I don't want to go to no place like this. I can't, I can't stand it. It was boring. And people were like, you would have had fun in college. Probably, but I have a lot of fun in the NBA. Uh, it's just, I don't feel like college was something for me. Like, I love doing schoolwork, but nah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, dude, I'm with you. I, I skipped college. I knew from junior year it wasn't for me. But then again, I was not seven feet tall or good at decent shot, but not, not in, not a, I didn't make my high school team, so we'll leave it at that. Um, 2004 mm. McDonald's game, you were co-MVPs with J.R. Smith. J.R. Yes. Smith has since gone back to college. What Have you been watching that, following that? What do you think about that? And would you little... ever do something similar? Um, I don't know if I'll go back to a normal college like that and study anything, um, but I like what he's doing. You know, um, he's put his mind to it. He's showing people that he has another side besides basketball. And because, you know, he's been one of those people that's always been clown, you know, people thinking that he has no intelligence. And, you know, I beg to differ. I've been around him a lot. You know, he's uh, very intelligent. You know, when people look at us athletes, they feel as though because we're athletes, we don't have anything between our heads and they don't understand how mental basketball is it's, it's 100%. 95% mental and the rest is physical so with that being said we've had to learn most of our things by thinking through them 
all of our experiences on and off the court, we've had to think through those situations and figure it out on our, on our own. And, you know, he's been one of those guys who came out of high school. So for us, we've had to learn everything on our own while basically having the whole world watch us, kind of like a real life Truman show. So he's doing an amazing job and have a 4.0 in college playing golf, you know, uh, with all the things that uh, could become of being in college after already going through that whole phase. He's in his late 30s, mid thirties now and going to college is like, oh, I've done everything. I won championships, you know, I've, you know, play with the best players in the world. You know, why do I have to do this? But, you know, he's doing it amazingly and I'm so super proud of him. It's so cool, man. And, you know, all that judgment and still everybody gives back and, you know, does all the right things. And, you know, speaking of giving back, I wanted to talk about your foundation with you. What was the uh, sort of idea behind wanting to start this and why what you're doing specifically uh, what, where, where did that idea originate from? Oh, well, I've had a couple of foundations in the past, um, and they have not been as successful as I wanted them to. And, uh, with the one that I just recently started grand champion foundation, I think it's perfect for the area in my life that I'm in and where I'm planning on going and where I want my kids and other people around me to go. I feel like all of us are champions. Uh, and it's not just in my community, it's not just in LA, but it's around the world. All of us have a great opportunity in front of us to be great and it's never too late. And I feel like by calling yourself a grand champion, you're basically letting yourself know mentally that I can overcome any obstacle that I have. And you know, the different programs that we provide for kids and adults, you know, just give them kind of like a boost to let them know that, hey, you are a champion. You know, we're going to get through this together. We're going to figure it out. We're going to fight. And, you know, we want to allow people to to remember who they really are and what their purpose is on this earth. 100%. One of my favorite videos of yours is after you won the championship, you went on Instagram Live. And you essentially said similar sentiments while, you know, I think you were holding the trophy. It was, it was pretty dope, uh, especially from like your whole career to that point. It was dope. Um, but that that same sentiment is true. So what would your best advice be to somebody coming up now chasing their dreams, whether it's basketball or not? What would you say to that that young person? Well, I would tell that person it's not about chasing your dream. It's about living it, you know. Um, your dream is already here. It's already here. You're living in the past, the present, and in the future all in one moment. So you have the ability to control that with just your thought process. You know, so if you want to be a champ, if you want all your dreams and aspirations to come true, true, just live in the moment. Live your dream out. You know, you're going to have bad moments. You're going to have unsuccessful moments, but those just breed character make you who you are. So that's the words that I live by. You know, I don't take anything in a bad way. You know, obviously you get upset when things don't happen the way you want it to happen. That's life. But you got to figure out what you do from that moment on. So uh, I use every time that I failed or 
I didn't actually win as an opportunity for me to get better and all the kids to have that same mindset. That's anybody, even if they're older, you yeah. know, never, like I said, it's never too late to be great. You know, yeah. age is only just a number and uh, it's always a purpose for your life. You know, it's always another chapter in your book unless you want your book to end. And uh, my book isn't ended yet, it's still in the beginning. <laughs> 100% man. So how can people support the foundation and find out more information about it? Uh, well, you can always go to my Instagram or you can go to our Instagram Grand Champion Foundation, uh, which is also Instagram. We have a website, grandchampions.org, uh, where you can check out our, uh, what we're doing in our different communities. Uh, we're doing uh, things for single moms. We're doing a lot of things for single moms. Uh, we're doing things for the Water Boys, which is a community in Georgia of young kids uh, who sell water. And uh, we want to really help them become entrepreneurs, you know, help them get off the streets. You know, it's a lot of kids in areas around the world uh, who uh, do the same thing. You know, they're trying to hustle and find a way to get up. And we want to build each other up and get out and get up together. And, you know, we know how tough it is on the streets. You know, actually, a couple of those kids that I mentored, um, they have passed away uh, just from gun violence of being, you know, in the streets and trying to sell those waters. Uh, so we do a lot of things to help those people out. We have basketball programs, of course. Uh, we also have programs for your spirit uh, and also for your mind, you know, the biggest thing that we need is to renew our minds and our consciousness and you know that's something that's very important to me um, as much as you know the physical is important if your mind and your spirit is not in the same place then there's nothing that you can't there's nothing that you can do you know so uh, you have to get those straight first it's like a process and uh, we want to really help people through that process uh, so they can understand that they, like I've been saying this whole time we've been here, is they have a purpose and it's a reason why they're here. And we just want to motivate them and get them a boost uh, so they can make it. That's amazing. You know, there's a quote that I love, which is if everybody could sit in a room by themselves for an hour and just think, there would be infinitely fewer problems in the world. And that speaks to your uh, point on, on having everybody's mental right. And I've heard that you, you also meditate. Have you found that that is a, a uh, great point of like grounding and getting your mind in the right place? It is, you know, um, just to become one with yourself. You know, a lot of people, they say it's hard to, 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 to actually sit down and meditate. And I definitely understand that because your mind starts to race, but that's okay. You know, I found the easiest way, the easiest thing to do when you meditate is when you have those thoughts, observe those thoughts, know that they're there. You know, it's like having, imagine being in a, uh, having a box and you want to take all of those thoughts and everything that you have and you want to put them in the box. You know, just put all those thoughts in a box. That way, you know, those thoughts are always there. You can go back and reach them at any time, you know, so you don't have to pressure yourself into thinking that, oh, I can't motivate because I can't get myself quiet. Well, it's practice. It takes, it takes time. And the more you do it, the more successful you'll become at it. 
Yeah, I think for me too, when I started, the thing that helped the most was just being okay with the thoughts just racing. Like that's yeah. a good thing that it's you're thinking. It's called monkey brain. <laughs> 100%. And that's inevitable, especially when you're starting. But, um, you know, just pushing through and thinking whatever you want to think. And if you think a thought that doesn't, that isn't calming, that's okay. And, mm-hmm. you know, it eventually gets back to the place. Like the thought doesn't have to do with meditating or anything that you would associate with meditating for it to still qualify as meditating. And that, yeah. was, that was what I thought for me was the biggest hurdle at the beginning. But I'm with you, man. I think it's big. And I hope everybody, you know, listening does it as well. Uh, be great. I wanted to ask you, when you were playing for Orlando and you were mm-hmm. battling LeBron when he was with the Cavs, was there any thought that one day, and this was like pre-super team, uh, you know, energy in the NBA, was there mm-hmm. ever a thought, maybe I could play with that guy one day? Um... Actually, yeah, I thought that if me and him were on the same team, that we'll dominate the league for, you know, we'll start a dynasty. I felt like me and him could actually do that because we have that same mindset. You know, we love to have fun, you know, but on the court, we're like menace to society. Right. You know, I, I love that about him. You know, the fact that, you know, off the court, you know, he, it's all jokes and laughs and you know music and some of the same qualities that I would, you know, I, I think I have, you know, and then on the court, you know, he has that killer instinct, you know, but he also wants to get everybody involved. He wants to see everybody come up. So yeah, I thought that when we were young, it, it would have been a great thing for both of us to get together and play. Well, when you finally did get together and play, you won a championship. So I guess you were right. <laughs> yeah, we did it. Uh, when we won it, you know, it's kind of like we we had each other's back. You know, we knew what it took. And uh, it seemed like it was effortless. That's amazing. Now, I, I remember seeing that you, uh, this, this was before your championship, that you thought that your gold medal was your most, you know, one of your most precious possessions. Where, where does the gold medal compare to the championship ring now in terms of like your own collection? Ooh. You know, it's crazy that, um, I don't know if you've seen the movie Soul. I haven't, I need to watch it. So oh wait, a- the Pixar movie. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I've seen that. So there's a part in the movie where he says people search all day for water when they're already in the ocean. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of like something that, you know, kind of like the epiphany that I had, you know. We won the championship. It was an amazing feeling. I'm not taking nothing away from it, but it was like, man, like, uh, the day we won was great. It was on cloud nine. But <laughs> Doing Instagram lives. Yeah, that that was so amazing. But just life itself, you know, it's the moments that we have in life is like so much. It's so much more, you know, the moments that we shared during that season, Mm. um, you know, all that stuff was was kind of just better. Now, I would say that not saying that the ring and all that stuff is great, but the moments, you know, that we shared and just being in the NBA was the time itself was so much better than just saying you have a trophy or a ring, you know, the ring and everything is kind of like, 
from all the hard work is kind of like, man, that paid off. But right. the journey, the whole process, you know, losing so many times, uh, then getting in the gym that same summer and practicing, saying, I'm going to go get it next year. Those are the moments that, you know, really that had me like kind of in tears when I got on my Instagram live, just reliving those moments of, you know, just getting in the gym and remembering being on Orlando and us losing and me and Jameer watching them celebrate. You know, those are the moments that I was like, dang, if it wasn't for these moments, I probably would have never been here today. That's a beautiful message, man. I love that. And, you know, I think it's, it's, it's good for everybody to enjoy the process because the thing about the sad thing about achieving what you want to achieve is that it's over. Yeah. <laughs> and then like the whole purpose of life is living, but then after you do it, it's over and then there's no purpose. So, so it's like every day is like stay in the moment. That's why I was right. earlier that we're living in the past, the present and the future all in the same time. It's all one big moment. So it's like, just stay in that moment, stay present. Like, don't just live your life to try to get up to one big moment because once you get there, it's like, you you might feel, you might see that. Right. Yeah, okay, that's it. Like, ah, that's not even on soul. Like, he did all that just to play at the, I guess the one show. He played at the show, he got a whole bunch of claps. Everybody loved him, but then, he still went home alone. And it was like, then he realized like, oh, I just did all that. And it wasn't what I thought it was gonna be. And then he realized him living and going through the whole process, all of the ups and downs was like, those were the moments that really define, those are the memories that you always have. And it's, it's funny too, and you know, I'm curious if you feel this way too, the beginning is often the most fun in retrospect because going from, nothing to something is so much more exciting than going from something to something more. Yeah, it's just exciting when you when you have a goal and it's like that first step because that uses the hardest step. It's usually when you have to tell yourself like, all right, I'm gonna have to get up and uh, really do this. You know, some people are afraid to take that step. And then once things get hard, that's kind of like the middle phase or right before you finish hit the finish line. That's what people are like, oh man it's too hard i want to give up but then you give up and not realizing that you might only be a couple feet or a couple days or a couple months from completing your mission but if you gave up you probably gave up too soon and now all the work that you put in before that moment it's like you did it for nothing 100 percent, man i'm with you uh a couple of final questions are there any big pets or snakes or anything that you have never had that you wish you could? Like, obviously guys like Mike Tyson, I've had like tigers. You have snakes. I've adopted a tiger. You have? Yeah. I didn't know that. The one animal that I would like to have in my backyard is a giraffe. (laughs) (laughs) I want a giraffe so bad. Like two of them, two giraffes. And I just have a leash on both of them and just walk around my house or in Georgia. Just with these giraffes, like take them on walks. You know, I think that'd be cool. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I mean, that would be very cool. I think you'd be the one of the first. I, yeah. I, don't, think, I don't think Tyson ever had a giraffe. 
No, he didn't have a giraffe. And I don't think they're real mean creatures. I think I'll just make sure they get enough cabbage because they love to eat cabbage and carrots and vegetables and stuff like that. I'll make sure they get that. And, uh, you know, just spend some days with them until they get too big to where I'll have to stand up on the top of my house to feed them. I think that'd be pretty cool right. as well. That would be very cool. Yeah, imagine them in the NBA. I mean, they'd be the most most dominant of all time. The most dominant. Nobody will be able to stop a giraffe. <laughs> yeah, they'd have to shoot down instead of <laughs> shooting up. Pretty crazy to think about. Um, so you you don't have any, there are no more snakes out there that you wish you had? Uh, well, I had one of these snakes, but um, unfortunately he passed away. I'd love to get another one. It's called a Olin's Python. It's from Papua New Guinea. There's these snakes that have like, they're kind of like black and neon green mixed together. And so they look very cool and they're kind of like iridescent. So if you see them in the light, seem like they got all the colors of the rainbow on top. And then the bottom is kind of like this lime neon green. And so it's like a real color. It's like, imagine a matte colored snake that's on the top is, is black, but iridescent. And at the bottom, the whole belly, the bottom of the mouth all the way down is like neon green. And they're very cool snakes, very docile. Um, yeah, so if I could have one of those, and then it's another snake called an indigo snake. It's called a blue indigo snake. They're actually blue in color. So I would love to have one of those. Wow. I heard that um, Michael Jordan is terrified of snakes. So by default, that makes you the greatest of all time. Oh, he's scared of snakes. <laughs> <laughs> you know so, scared of snakes. It's so crazy. I'm with you. I, I feel like it. I feel the same way about sharks, right? The amount of shark attacks compared to the amount of shark interactions with humans is insanely low. And if it ever does happen, it's a mistake, unless it's a great white shark or a couple others who are just uh, defending themselves usually, um, or they're hungry, but that's rare. So, you know, the amount of interactions that happen compared to the attacks doesn't justify the amount of fear. You see people, like you're saying, people just have a fear but you know that there are more coconut uh, droppings that kill people right. than your shark attacks. We should be afraid of coconuts. We should be afraid of standing under coconut trees more than we should be afraid of sharks. Dude, vending machines. There are more vending machine deaths from falling on people than there are shark attack deaths. Annually. So I need to stay away from those vending machines. I don't want to hurt my big toe. I need it. I think you're good, man. I think you're good, but you know, smaller <laughs> folks. I don't, don't stand as much of a chance. Uh, I wanted, last question for you. I, so I'm a big sports card collector and I wanted mm -hmm. to ask you, I ask this to any, any guy who has a card. If you had to guess, what do you think the most a Dwight Howard card has ever sold for? I know the answer. That's a it's, great question. Yeah. Uh, I would say about 18,000. So the correct answer is $68,000. And it wasn't even a rookie card. So this card was in your second year. And it also has LeBron and Kobe on it. You guys all signed it together. And it's a one of one. And that sold for $68,000 last December. It's a tops card. 
That is an upper deck card. Deck card. That's an upper deck. Yeah. Upper yeah. deck is no more. I miss upper deck. Yeah, upper deck. Well, Panini has the NBA license, but upper deck has the exclusives with LeBron and Jordan. So they still do like college cards and things like that. But Panini has the exclusive on the NBA for the next four years. And then it goes to Fanatics. And Fanatics bought the NBA, MLB, and NFL. So they all go there in a couple of years. The but card game is crazy. Do you have you paid any attention? It's gone insane in the last three years. I've never really. That's a lot. I'm really trying to learn this NFT space, but oh man, we, there's a lot to dive into there. Do you have any? Have you collected? Not really. I feel like everybody's trying to go into this Ready Player One phase with the multi, what is it called? The multiverse and all that stuff. <laughs> the, yeah, the metaverse. Metaverse, yeah, metaverse. Yeah. So yeah, it's getting kind of crazy out here. It's gonna be a lot of digital copies of ourselves walking around here pretty soon with this 5G technology. So it's gonna that. it's gonna get crazy, man. But I, I generally think it's safe to, you know, stay away because a lot of it right now is hype. It's people day trading these giant projects. Whereas in the future, it'll become, you know, much more stable. It's just because it's so early and, you know, obviously there's a lot going on volatility wise with crypto in itself, which is what backs every NFT ever. I'm very deep in it too. Um, so it's been, it's been a lot of fun, but yeah. So you've got your, you've got your big projects like your board apes and your crypto punks. And then you've got uh, your metaverses, which are essentially fixed worlds um, so think Minecraft or Fortnite, but you can actually buy digital land. So one of them is called Decentraland, where a plot of land in there is co costs about $12,000, and there are 20000 total. The most expensive plots, though, that are near where the center, so when you go into the game, you spawn in the middle, and then uh, the land right around that, because the, most, the majority of people that enter see that first, those are about $2 million dollars. Um, for you plots of land right there. Yeah, you can, you can buy digital land. World? Is it kind of like Minecraft? It's like Minecraft, but think there's only one world. There aren't tons of different worlds within Minecraft. Oh, and you can build your own house and all that kind of stuff? House. So Sotheby's, for example, they bought a bunch of plots and have a digital auction house within Decentraland that they paid a few million dollars for. I'm going to get my son. He's eight. I'm going to have him, you know be the guide on that and tell me where to go because he loves the minecraft and uh all those game roblox and stuff Man, like he's that. he's positioned very well for the future in that case <laughs> so i'm gonna have him do that we're gonna buy a plot of land on uh the mesh what's it called the, the central land that's that's the most famous one wow and it's twelve thousand a plot for a plot so the reason being they have like 10 to 20,000 daily visitors and people will put up billboards on their land or you can even rent your land to other people. There's a whole marketplace for this. So you could put a billboard on your digital land and because so many people come in and see it, you can put something up and advertise on there just like a real physical billboard. Wow. So could I actually go in there and walk and talk to people on there? Yeah, I'll, I'll email over the link. You can, you can go check it out. You can't talk to people, but you can walk and you can interact. So you could buy an NFT within Decentraland just from walking around. Wow. So, wow. 
This is Ready Player One. In oh, the we're world. we're there. We're there. We're all the way there, man. It's pretty. It's pretty crazy. <laughs> That's pretty sick. I might need to get some land and uh, get me a character to go in there and put some billboards up. <laughs> there you go, man. You can put all you can put all of your physical jerseys that people have given you in your digital house. You could you could get pets. You could build a a snake tank in the uh, in the Decentraland world. <laughs> I'll give me a giraffe for the fake world. There you go. There you go. You don't need to. You don't need to feed it either. It's great. <laughs> I have to feed it. He needs food. Your your digital giraffe. Yeah, my digital giraffe. I got to give him some digital food just to make him feel comfortable with staying there. There you go, man. So we we make an NFT. We make two. NFTs for every episode we do of this podcast, they're hand-drawn mics that I do, microphones to represent each episode. And we give one to every guest. So if you make a MetaMask account, which is like essentially just a crypto wallet, I'll send you your, your utility mic NFT from this episode. Okay. All right. Let me get on that. Let me learn about that and get on that. Okay. There we go. Well, anyways, man, this was a lot of fun. I appreciate you doing this. We covered every topic in the book. <laughs> Thank you so much. That's great. All right. I'll see you later and see everybody else later. Peace out. Stay Thank safe. you, guys. See you in the metaverse. <laughs> see you in the metaverse. That was fun.